It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Bounce to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Hi, welcome to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro and sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Hello, the, Dick Morris. Hi. The justice system, if you call it that, in New York has just done the first. They've convicted a man named Donald Trump, basically simply because he's running for president. <laughs> but the official grounds are that there's fraud, but nobody was defrauded. There were massive losses, but no money was lost. There was the intent, there was dishonest conduct, but nobody suffered. Um, but all in all, it's all they can do in order to press a case against Trump to try to bleed him financially and hurt his reputation. When you say dishonest conduct, you're talking about he, uh, the numbers of how much his uh, things were, well, you know, his, his estate. You can, claim, or you can say that's dishonest. All right. I don't think so. No, because they can uh, go up and down. Yeah, each day that's the value right. of property goes up and down. There's an ask for every seat, yeah. In a certain economy, it goes up. Other economy, it goes down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and the point is that, hey, the point is that this was audited by, uh, by the bank. They did their due diligence. Uh, they lent the money. Trump repaid the money and, uh, with, with interest. And there is no victim. In, there's not only no victim in this crime, there's no crime in this crime. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. So the judge here, if you can call him that, says that Trump has to pay a penalty of nearly $355 million plus interest. And he banned Trump for three years from serving in top roles at any New York company, including portions of his own Trump organization. He also imposed a two-year ban on Trump's adult sons and ordered that they each pay more than $4 million. The judge also ordered that they pay substantial interest pushing the penalty to $450 million. Now, Trump will appeal the financial penalty, but will have either to come up with the money or secure a bond within 30 days. The ruling won't render him bankrupt because most of his wealth is in real estate, um, which is worth far more than the penalty. Trump will ask an appeals court to halt the restrictions on him and his sons from running the company while it considers the case. So... What the judge has said is you can't borrow money and you can't earn money, huh. but you have to pay this judgment. Mm. And, uh, and, and, it's, and for three years, uh, the court will appoint an independent monitor who is the eyes and ears of the court's eyes and ears in the Trump organization. Yeah, mole. And he uh, strengthened the monitor's authority to watch for fraud and second guess any transactions that look suspicious. Let's remember that nobody was defrauded here. What happened is that uh, Trump applied for a loan. And they said, okay, what assets do you have? And he gave them his assets and he overvalued them. Then the, the bank didn't object. Their auditors, their, their financial people located. They did their due diligence. Yeah, right. The bank has to do that. And then, and then Trump proceeded to borrow the money, pay every penny of it back with interest. Uh, and the only reason that he was uh, he was held accountable for this is that the New York State Attorney General Letitia James mm. pledged in her campaign that she would get Donald Trump, right. and this is kind of the only way that they could. 
But Donald Trump maintains his innocence. But it's really not a question of innocence because he's not accused of any crime or of doing anything bad. What he's accused of is is overestimating the value of his property, which happens every single hour of every single day in New With York. everybody. Yeah. And How many times you're looking for a loan and they, they assess your house and it's way lower or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, and to be held liable for that is just outrageous. Mm. And they had to soak Trump for money, so they basically ordered him to pay to the state, not, not a private investor, not a bank, because there's nobody defrauded and nobody's complaining. So they just made a new kind of tax in New York called the Donald Trump tax, and they're levying it on him, one man, um, just simply because they can. Um, and you really are drawn to the conclusion Billy Joel has often spoken about. I'm only willing to hear you cry because I am an Guilty of making the country better. That's what he's, well, he's guilty, guilty of. guilty of running for president. Yeah. Is there anybody in America that believes that if he were not running or if he dropped out tomorrow, that these charges wouldn't just go away? Let me ask you something, Dick. Um, you said that he's going to appeal everything, and yeah. he can't appeal the this, the thing where he uh, can't do business in New York? Yeah, Is he, that can. What he can appeal that, and he will. Uh, but let, let me deal with what I think is likely to happen here. I had a long conversation with Judge Andrew Napolitano, who would have come on the show today but couldn't, and he briefed me on what he thought the outcome would be. He says Trump will appeal. He says he think that, thinks the dollar amount of the verdict will be reduced substantially. Um, the orders about barring him from doing business probably will continue. Now, while this seems like a vast amount of money, and it is, Trump was prepared for this. He liquidated most of many of his holdings. He stretched out the dates of maturity so that there wouldn't be a cash flow crunch. And Trump is going to come through this fine. Uh, and the amount will probably be reduced. The real thing here is that the judge could have decided to dismantle the Trump organization. And that would be serious. Uh, to literally have them move out, give up their assets, uh, Trump Tower would be put into receivership, uh, so a bankruptcy administrator would run it and would run all of the Trump properties. And that would be a serious blow. It's being called the capital punishment for companies. But the judge did decided not to do that, and uh, so that's not happening. All that's happening is a one-shot payment that Trump has to make, quite a shot. And there's sharp limits on his ability to control his own company. But those limits are only in New York State. In 49 other states, he can do what he wants. So if he can't borrow money in New York State, the hell with it. He'll go to Idaho and borrow money or any of the other 49 states. He's very creditworthy. And if he can't uh, do deals based in New York, he'll do them based someplace else. Jersey and uh, Miami. Yeah, the basic point here is that 950,000 people have left New York State in the last three years, and it's now 950,001 Donald Trump. 
moving out. Bye bye. 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 Okay, bye bye. I'm out of here. Bye. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. 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 Thank you very much for coming. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Uh, bye-bye. Thank you. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Nice, bye-bye. Nice. Now, now, is there you in that bye, B-U-I, or is it See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and, and <laughs> Trump good. is, uh, and Trump literally does not have any, any encumbrance outside of New York State. Um, the thing is that this law that they're applying in New York doesn't exist in any other state. In any other state, if you alleged fraud in a business deal, there has to be someone who is defrauded, someone who is hurt by the fraud, and somebody who benefited by the fraud. Hmm. And that would that, that, what, the, those people would have to pay and would receive payment. But in this case, there isn't any of that, and there's no statute in New York that permits it. But they bent and they strained and they worked like hell over time to try to find some way of bleeding Donald Trump. And the point of this is threefold. One is psychological to, uh, as a blow to Trump. Well, good luck with that, man. Um, you could attack Trump all day and all night, and he's not going to be hurt. Mm. Uh, the second thing was to dent his reputation as a great financial wheeler dealer. Man, if this guy can cross the street this morning, he will have succeeded in overcoming this. <laughs> because when you hit with $460 million of verdict, and you give a speech that night about running for president, you pull it off. What more do you need to know about the guy? And finally, there's an effort to have people believe that, that he's dishonest and that his financial investments were dishonest. Well, if he didn't pay the loans back, okay. If he overestimated his value and got a loan he shouldn't have gotten, okay. But he didn't. This loan was completely legit. The borrower has not raised any problem. Every penny of the loan was paid back. The bank said they would be willing to loan him more if New York State would allow it. Mm. So, so this is simply a crime, a press release looking for a crime. Um, and, uh, and basically, Donald Trump is saying, to, quoting in his remarks to New York, the Honorable Johnny Paycheck, who said, Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left, took all the reason I was working for. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> you know what it is, Dick? This guy is just a tough guy from New York, and that's what he's all about. He keep hitting him, he gets up stronger. You're not yep. you're not putting that guy down, there's no way. Yep. So the judge's summary ruling in September, which is the one that he made before the trial, and, and he didn't have a trial. There was no jury trial. Um, was It's vague in exactly what he meant by dissolution of the Trump businesses. But several legal experts told the AP that, the, that in the worst case, it could have led to the sale not only of his New York properties, but his Mar-a-Lago club in Florida, a Chicago hotel and condo building, several golf courses, including the ones in Miami, L.A., and Scotland. One of Trump's lawyers called the potential outcome a corporate death penalty. But the Associated Press confirmed how unusual such a punishment would have been if carried out. Trump's case would have been the only big business in nearly 70 years of similar cases 
to be shut down without a showing of obvious victims who suffered major financial losses. Mm. The main alleged victim of the real estate mogul's fraud, Deutsche Bank, itself has not complained and did not suffer any losses and put out a loan sign to say if Trump wants to borrow more money from them, he's more than welcome. <laughs> but uh, N. Gorin, the judge, on Friday backed down, saying that putting monitors in there was enough, basically handing New York State Attorney General Letitia James most of what she wanted in bans, monitors, and penalty, but not in power. Luckily for Trump, and fortunately for Trump, and skillfully for Trump, he's cut his debt by hundreds of millions of dollars in recent years, and so will not need to refinance as much. He's also pushed out the maturity of many loans still on the books by several years. In other words, he was prepared for this. The audit and, deal. And he was in his, in his fallout shelter, and uh, nothing is going to hit him in the head uh, because he's prepared for this. In fact, it's a statement of his financial acumen and of his skill that he can go through this and still be walking. Um, so uh, this is, a, is, is really a tribute, in a sense, to Trump's ability to survive and his understanding of what he has to do to survive. But let's be very clear. This is a crime without a victim, without gain for anyone except the state of New York, which gleefully taxes it. And uh, so the state of New York is going to lose. Is, no, is no, gonna... it's going to make a lot of money. It make four hundred million dollars that Trump is going oh, right, to pay. Oh, right, right, right. Got it. Now they will lose because Trump's moving out, right? And uh, he's created that's 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 hundreds of thousands of jobs in New York. And believe me, he's not going to do that again. And other states will benefit because Trump will do business with them. And New York's reputation will suffer, but um, no more than it has with almost a million people moving out in the last three years. These politicians do not get it that they're killing the cow they're milking and that they'll no longer be able to milk it after it's dead. Wow. And uh, that's, that's just the way it is. One way to put it. Um, so this is welcome back to the Dick Morris show with Doug DePiro and sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. When we come back, we'll deal with the question I would love to have had to talk about, and I love to talk about it now. The Democrats are headed for major defeat this year. What are they going to do? What will their response be? Will they be tame and good citizens and take this their punishment and lick their wounds and plan to come back? Or will they try to overthrow the entire structure of our democracy? Huh. We'll talk about that when we come Imagine back. Imagine that. I'm moving out. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Say you want a revolution, well, you know. What will the Democrats do if Trump wins? Um, Will they go quietly into the night or will they start a revolution in America? It's increasingly obvious that Trump will win the Republican nomination, most likely against a senile, demented, and best inarticulate opponent with a lousy record as president. Whether or not the Democrats are able to replace Biden with a better candidate, or at least someone who's half alive, (laughs) remains to be seen. Oh, son of a bitch. But the underlying trends to in the electorate clearly point to a solid Republican victory in 2024. Such a victory would sweep into power more than enough Republicans controlled the House easily and likely the Senate as well. I would say definitely the Senate as well. Mm. So what will the Democrats do? In earlier times, the answer would be obvious. Lick their wounds, evaluate their problems, and prepare to fight again. Right. But not in 2024. The political parties are divided and passionate in a way they have not really been since the Civil War. The words of the poet, William Butler Yeats, come through with new meaning. He wrote this at the time of the Irish Civil War. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed in everywhere. The ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Mm. In this environment, it's facile to believe the deaf left will go quietly into the night. Instead, I believe they'll try increasingly frantic and novel means to stay in power. At a minimum, they'll try to cheat and swing states. Now, cheating will be harder in Georgia and Wisconsin and North Carolina because those states have passed tough voter ID laws, but still can be done in Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Nevada, which still do not require any photo IDs to vote. Cheating is also possible in Michigan, where anyone without a photo ID can vote if they fill out an affidavit, basically saying my dog ate it. (laughs) Sorry, I don't have my card. (laughs) Um, Instead, if cheating doesn't work, They then can switch candidates at the last minute, right before the Democratic convention opens. Biden will have amassed a formidable majority and could release his delegates and urge them to vote for another candidate. Doug and I think it might be Michelle Obama, uh, and she would get the nod in case the Democrats would be reluctant to pass over Vice President Kamala Harris for a white candidate like Governor Gavin Newsom. If If they would throw Biden out and not give the nomination to Kamala Harris. The blacks would rebel en masse 
and already the Democrats are having trouble uh, holding on to the black vote. Mm -hmm. They could always try to repeat the tactics of 2020 and raise fears of a new strand of COVID to such a fever pitch that everyone would vote by mail and fraud would reign supreme again. But given the large number of people who have been vaccinated or acquired natural immunity to the disease, it'd be very difficult to whip up such a public frenzy this time. There remains the fourth and most terrifying option, a revolution in the streets of America. The left has been laying the basis for such an outcome by warning repeatedly that Trump wants to steal the election yeah. and seeks to rule as a dictator. The left catalyzes this panic. It's easy to see how they could pour millions into the streets, tying up all cities, paralyzing commerce, making deliveries of food impossible, permitting lawlessness and looking out in Yates's words and looting, and in Yates's words, loosing mere anarchy upon the world. Talk about projecting, right? Pro-democracy forces have tried this tactic. I was with them on the streets of Kiev in Ukraine in 2004. After a presidential election was obviously rigged, we flooded the streets and tied up the city for three months during the winter. The communist government had no option but to invalidate the election and call for a new one, which the democratic forces won handling. Now, hold on one second, Dick. You had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I was I the just, consultant to the good guys. And to stay and to stay outside and do what they were going to do in the middle of winter, right? Right. And ironically, the guy who was running the campaign against me for the bad guys was Paul Manafort, <laughs> no. who, who spent several years in jail, which he shouldn't have. He's a good guy. The current Mexican president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, AMLO, briefly tried the same tactic after the election of 06. Having lost narrowly, AMLO refused to concede and maintained that he was the real president. He even conducted a swearing-in ceremony and called for massive popular resistance. And because Mexico City is basically a third of the country, he succeeded in tying up the country for a few weeks, but then his protest fizzled. But this time, the left could issue a clarion call to tie up traffic the streets, and national trucking and transportation in America's major cities to protest a potential Trump inauguration. With the pro-democratic populace in Washington, New York, L.A., Philadelphia, and the northern cities, it would not be difficult to amass the bodies necessary for such a stand. Hmm. To veil these anti-democratic protests and make them look legitimate, the left could claim that widespread voter suppression and fraud warning voters of the end of democratic government if Trump were allowed to assume office. Well, it's they who would be ending democratic mm, government. In this scenario, the days between election day and the scheduled presidential inauguration on January 21st, 2025, become critical. Biden will still be president and have command control of the military. And the intel community and the entire deep state apparatus, desperate to keep Trump out of power and keep themselves in their jobs. That's just under three months. Right. Could wow. build the narrative that American democracy is at stake and that Trump's inauguration must not be permitted. Hmm. The Supreme Court could intervene if procedural obstacles could be cleared away. But the swing votes on the court might take the position that such an intervention would destroy the power and prestige of the Supreme Court 
and fundamentally compromise our judicial branch of government. Again, in Yates's words, the ceremony of innocence is drowned. Let me spend a minute more on the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is incredibly vulnerable to opposition pressure, particularly from the left. First of all, there's nothing in the Constitution that says the Supreme Court can invalidate laws passed by Congress or by the states. That is entirely creation of a judicial decision by, uh, in a case called Marbury versus Madison, by uh, by Marshall, who was the Chief Justice of the Court at the time in 1800, mm-hmm. and it has no constitutional basis except that it's been the rule of the land for the last 200 years, and uh, also the number of members of the court is only set by law. They can add additional judges all they like. Roosevelt at one point proposed expanding the court from nine judges to 13 uh, to force New Deal policies through the court. That could happen again. How was that done? Three quarters of no, the No, just a majority of both houses of Congress. Really? Yeah, and a president's signature, and if he controls the White House, Biden could produce that. Mm-hmm. So polls won't matter. Indeed, election results themselves won't matter. The presidency would be decided based on an urban guerrilla war involving mass demonstrations and hopefully nonviolent resistance. As Yates said, mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. I have to say, it seems as though there is no way I could be wrong about this, that the Democrats are going to beat the good old boys in America. You know what I mean? You're talking about... The, the both coasts and the guys in the middle, I don't think on the streets, little Democrat, little, I can't say it, are going to beat the good old boys, literally yeah. in a physical. Yeah, they, well, they, look at Antifa. Look at, uh, look at the riots. Look at the, uh, the way the minorities completely dominated I, the streets. I did point. wonder about how they didn't and it is possible. stand up for themselves. It is possible. Black Lives Matter. It is possible that if there's a civil war in the streets, that the that the conservatives and legitimate forces would win. But it's no guarantee, and we better be prepared for all hell to break loose. And I think we have to I realize that. And I think that the left is pushing the narrative that this is all Trump's fault to lay the basis for accusing him of sabotaging democracy. Right even as they are sabotaging democracy themselves. And the useful idiots will believe it, yeah, no matter what. They will. Uh-huh. They will. But they will have been defeated in the election and defeated handily. I do not think this election is going to be that close. I think that the Trump will win the popular vote, and I think he'll win the electoral vote by a lot. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I think Trump right now, we carry every single swing state, with the possible exception of Pennsylvania, it could be go either way. But he's leading now in Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, North Carolina, Florida, Arizona, uh, Nevada. He's went leading in every one of them. And some of those, most of those leads are pretty big. So you would have to have a revolution demanding that the guy who should be president and was elected president not take office. And that's quite a stretch. And I doubt if the left can pull it off, but... I do not doubt that they're going to try. And I think our audience has to go to uh, General Flynn's site, fightlikeaflynnpack.com. That's what I didn't do last week. Fightlikeaflynnpack, P-A-C, dot com. 
F-I-G-H-T-L-I-K-E-A-F-L-Y-N-N dot P-P-A-C. No, no, not dot. Then P-A-C, P-A-C dot, dot com. com. Yeah. Uh, he's the only one, because he's a military guy, who is mapping out a response to this. And his response is based on mobilizing deputy sheriffs throughout, throughout the country who would be commissioned by the elected sheriffs uh, to enforce the law. But uh, we, need to, we need to move ahead with that because there is a real chance that this election could be marred by this kind of obstructionism. Please give to his fund, please. Please, yeah, please. please. Um, regarded as a poll tax, your tax to make sure the poll happens. Right. Okay, so when we come back, we'll talk about the myth that the rich don't pay their share of taxes. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. You know, Dick, let me just ask you a question. Do you really think they'll have any shot whatsoever, the liberals beating our conservative good old boys? I, can, yeah. I don't see how that we're, could ever happen. We're not talking about football scrimmage here. Uh, and um, <clears throat> Biden would be president of the United States throughout all of this. His term will end on January 21st, ah. 2025. Uh, so uh, if assuming he loses. So he will have control over the armed forces. Oh, nah, he will, in effect, have control over state state forces when he nationalizes them, and uh, and he would control all the guns in the country. I mean, the legitimate guns. Um, so this is not a slam dunk. I tell you, what's going to be a problem with that? You're going to have generals and people saying, "Wait, what is he doing?" Yeah, you know. So he there's sure going to be, and a guy like General Flynn, you'll have. You'll have uh, basically civil government uh, uh, being challenged. I want to just introduce a friend of mine who's in the studio with us, Luis Rosales, who is from Argentina. Uh, Doug called him the Dick Morris of Argentina. He's on the TV. Yeah. Uh, I, I am. I am really shocked. You, you have the hair. I am really shocked because I am listening things talking about the states, the elections, the elections in the most important democracy in the world in the i don't know in the leading country for the free world uh, i am listening things which is uh, exactly the same than a dictatorship an african country a latin america banana wow. republic so it's amazing what is happening here yeah it certainly is wow that that's and, amazing coming from you yeah and, and it's based on a a fundamental view that democracy cannot be trusted, that the voters can't be trusted, that Trump will pull the wool over their eyes, mm. the saying we have, and that uh, people will vote for him when they shouldn't, and that the voters cannot be trusted. Uh, a fundamental ingredient of the ideology of democracy is that the voters can be trusted and yeah, their opinions are basically right. And uh, here there's, it's very clear that that's... It's like to play football without following the rules or, or no, believing yeah. in the rules. Ah, that's right. I, yeah. And not, and don't, not like in a referee and say, yeah. no. So let's go to Joel, who's in Israel. Hey, Joel. Are you in Israel? 
Yes. Good, uh, five seconds and I'll have better reception. Okay. Good. It's a great honor to uh, speak to you, uh, Mr. Morris. Um, I just wanted to comment on your opening remarks regarding this uh, victimless crime that Letitia James went after. Um, I've been uh, trying to expose for the last 12 years a $100 billion uh, securities fraud that has thousands and thousands of American victims. Um, it's sometimes uh, called the China Hustle. Uh, they actually did a movie on it about five years ago. There were hundreds and hundreds of uh, <clears throat> Chinese companies that were not following securities rules that got deregistered, um, more than 250 of them. <clears throat> and uh, there are just so many victims, and it's just surprising that th this hasn't been investigated by the AG office. Mm -hmm. um, Maria Bartiromo speaks about it often with James Comer, and there's a committee called the uh, Present Danger China that did a fabulous webinar on it Friday night with Frank Gaffney and Roger Robinson. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, this is a gorilla in the, in the room. From I what I understand, Frank, this goes to the... I believe in Frank Gaffney. He's great. Uh, in fact, I've invited him to be on the show. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll follow that simply because of Frank Gaffney. How, where can I go to get information about this? Go to the website, presentdangerchina.org, presentdangerchina.org. Okay. Um, they also put the webinar up on their Rumble channel, uh, Roger Robinson and Chris Icavelli were guests on that show. Okay. And just um, as a real quick thing, uh, if people Google Biden China hustle, um, there's a lot of securities and exchange complaints. And I have it on good sources that this goes to the very highest levels of the Securities and Exchange Commission and the NASDAQ. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for good. Thank you. Thank you for alerting us to that. And Dick's got a, a great book on Biden and China. Yeah. Uh, What's called it called again? Corrupt. <laughs> the uh, never the inside story of Biden's dark money. And it talks about all, about all this. this stuff. Um, let's go to George in Rockland. Thank you, Joel. Hello, Mr. Morris. How are you doing, hey, uh, Doug? Hey, hey, George. Okay, so uh, just a kind of a question. Uh, I, uh, I was thinking who would be really the big gainer financially from this verdict against New Trump, York, uh, New York State. Exactly. Well, I was thinking about something in addition, okay? So uh, part of the verdict was that uh, he would not be able to do conduct him or his family here in New York State, and I was thinking who would gain from it? And I was thinking possibly his current competitors. They would be able to buy all this property uh, by pennies on the dollar. And Interesting. Yeah, well, that, that would have been true if the judge had taken the ultimate step and broken up the Trump organization. Uh, but he didn't do that. So there will be no fire sale of Trump's assets. He just can't run it. He can't, he can't be in it, it his for three can. years. Yeah. Incredible verdict. And they're great guys, Eric and Donald. Let's go to Andrew in New Jersey. Hi, Andrew. He's amazing. He does rally after being in court. That'll just show his stamina. Oh, yeah. Like with him. 
comment, but he blocked school choice. And Obama, who I wouldn't say is racist against black people, but his policies are because his daughter is just like he and his wife. They went to the best prep schools, but the kids in Washington, D.C. and other cities, they go to the valley. They're absolutely right. We we know that. Thank you very much. um, Thank you, Andrew. There was a study that just came out that uh, I found fascinating. Uh, It said, okay, what percent of the income tax revenue in the United States is paid by what bracket of people? Um, And what they found is that the richest 1% in the United States, you know, Bernie Sanders is always saying the 1%, the richest 1% have earnings of about $700,000 a year and over. And they pay 46% of the income tax. The top 5% pay 67% of the income tax. And three out of 100 tax filers pay a larger share than any of the other 97 out of 100. So 3% of the total revenues are paid by, uh, half of the total revenues are paid by 3% of the taxpayers. And uh, this is the exact opposite of what Sanders and those people claim. And it does raise a specter that, that is worth considering. Reagan also spoke about this. What happens when you can impose taxes without anybody who votes paying them? What happens if you impose taxes? And it's simply people who uh, are way outvoted, don't have any political strength, who pay them. And uh, the answer is obviously you move to another place. But if it's the United States, where are you going to move to? And uh, we're rapidly approaching a situation where taxes can be raised with total impunity because no voters actually pay them. Relatively few voters pay them. So a very, very difficult situation that's very worrisome. Now, Chicago has decided that it has enough of having crime in Chicago and it's going to defund the police but it's only going to do it after the Democratic convention over the summer. Oh, because they need the police to watch out for their convention and and protect them? (laughs) When Brandon Johnson ran for Chicago mayor last year, he told progressive groups that want to defund the police that that he would cancel programs that help the police track down criminals. Who is this? Brandon Brandon Johnson, Uh the mayor of Chicago. Uh One of these is the city's shot spotter program which uses a network of, acu- of acoustic sensors to detect gunshots and routes police to the scene. Right. They'll have a very busy time in Chicago doing that. Mm, kidding. This week, Mayor Johnson fulfilled his promise to end the program, even over the objection of the very police chief he appointed. In other words, Chicago has this program where they can listen and track where the shots are coming from, and they can go and bust the people that fired them. Johnson, the mayor, has suspended the program and uh, will not start it again. Um, Did he say why? Because the Democrat, why he's leaving it for seven months, because the Democratic National Convention is in Chicago this summer. We can't have people shooting each other on the streets when the Democratic royalty is in town and the world (laughs) is watching. So let's get this straight. In Chicago, it's okay for criminals to shoot at law-abiding citizens after the Democratic Convention rolls out of town. <laughs> oh, but God forbid that anyone should shoot a member of the exalted Democratic National Committee. So criminals pay attention, move to Chicago, 
after summer after the convention. Right. After the convention. Wow. That's right. Uh, let's go to uh, Joseph in Connecticut. Hello, Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Good morning, uh, Mr. Morris. Oh, good afternoon. Hi. Yes, the uh, voting system standards, I've worked at polls for many, many years. Uh, the tabulators, okay? I don't want to mention the company, uh, but there, this law, uh, 21 uh, section, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 52 section uh, 21081 says voting system standards that parts, all parts, and have to be manufactured and assembled in the United States. Do you know? We just lost you. Yeah, we just lost you. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if they, I, I don't know if the dominant voting machine company's parts are made in the United States. That's something that bears scrutiny. But there's it's a not larger, the voters, the, it's but, the guys that are counting the vote. Yeah, but there's a larger issue at stake here. Why do we have voting machines at all involved in this process? Mm. Why do we have, why are we dependent upon technology here? It's perfectly possible to have paper ballots. Everybody fills them in and they're tabulated by hand and they're not destroyed, they're preserved and they can be recounted anytime you want. It would take just one day to tabulate them and to end this controversy and to make sure that our elections are honest, and yet we won't do it. Part of it is that the lobbyists for the companies want the business, they want the money, uh, but, uh, but part of it is that a lot of people want to be able to cheat because they know that's the only way that they can win. So when we come back, we're going to talk about pornography. A Stormy Daniels is getting her day in court. Yeah, but one more thing, Dick. Uh, everyone out there, you could have dinner with Dick Morris on Wednesday, February 21st, at his book signing and speech at the Women's National Republican Club in New York City on 51st Street. You could call Irene at 212-582-5454, extension 3, or Irene at wnrc.org and the phone number again is 212-582-5454 extension 3 imagine having dinner with dick morris just imagine that now the address there is 3 west 50th right 51st 51st 3 west just 51st. There this morning 3 west i forgot that thank you dick morris and uh 51st this is 65 dollars, which includes the book and dinner. You get dinner. dinner with yeah. Dick Morris. Right. Just right there is worth the $65. And we'll have the same cheerful conversation we just had here. So <laughs> you want to jump out of a window after it's over. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually sleeping. <laughs> That's not funny. So when we come back, Stormy. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. 
Welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro. We're sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group, and we're here with Luis Rosales, my friend from Argentina, who has a question. He says, if the United States acts like a banana republic in Latin America, what are we supposed to do in Latin America? <laughs> yeah, it's a true question. So the there are four trials that Trump is going to have to go through with criminal liability. The, the trial over the asset evaluation that just finished is not a criminal trial. It's a civil trial uh, imposing... Four hundred million dollars of damages, but still, how did he come criminal. up with that number? It's basically interest. Half of it is interest. He, um, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how he computed because no, nobody was damaged, nobody was injured. It's just a penalty. It's, uh, it's like if they say uh, that if you tamper with a smoke detector on the plane, you could pay a fine of fifty thousand uh, dollars. Nobody <laughs> makes the fifty thousand dollars, right? To the government. It reminds me of like Saturday Night Live. They said, oh, how much you think this is? And everyone said, uh, $50, $870. They're probably sitting in a room saying, well, yeah. what do you think? I don't know, $100 million? Ah, $700. Ah. But it is a political persecution. Yes. Do you think that the judiciary in the United States is biased against a presidential yeah. candidate? It well, is possible that? Yeah, it is. But uh, the criminal the justice system in the U.S., It's so pluralistic. Each state is different. Each city is different. And the national law is different. Uh, the, this particular issue concerns real estate in New York City. And in that, the state court has jurisdiction. And there's not much the federal court can do about it. Uh, in other cases, like the criminal cases that have been brought, there is a major role for federal judiciary. There still is a bias against Trump, and they certainly have selected judges who will effectuate that bias. But on appeal, I think there's a good chance that a lot of that will be reversed. Now, the first case against Trump that's coming up for trial is by Stormy Daniels. Only a liberal could bring this lawsuit. The allegation here, the fact is that Donald Trump got caused uh, many, several million dollars to be paid to Stormy Daniels. And the and transaction was that if she did not publish the accusation that she had sex with Trump, uh, she could get the money. And uh, the money was arranged for by representatives of Trump that included Michael Cohn, his lawyer, who's since been convicted and turned on Trump. And the issue here is, did, did he pay this woman to testify that they didn't have sex? But that's not the issue because there's nothing illegal about paying someone not to testify. There's nothing illegal about paying someone to keep their mouth shut. Shut up money. Yeah. There's, there's nothing illegal about that. The issue is where did the funds come from? And did it come from a bucket that was illegal or from a bucket that was legal? Hmm. Now, Trump basically spent money from his own business to do this. And the allegation is that he falsified business records in order to do this. Saying that Stormy Daniels, keeping her quiet, 
is very important for the Trump business and that that's why they did this. And that would be a tax violation because that's not a legitimate purpose for a tax deduction. The other alternative is that he paid for it out of campaign funds um, and uh, because this was a threat to the campaign. But, and that's illegal too uh, because the because he did not declare that as an expenditure on his federal tax form. So you basically have two paper keep bookkeeping paper violations, not saying that anything Trump did was illegal, but he didn't report it appropriately. And uh, on the strength of that, there's a criminal indictment, and it's going to tie Trump up in the court for a month or two when he can't be out there campaigning. Uh, it'll lead to airing all of the dirty laundry of the accusations about his time with Stormy Daniels. The you know, person who will benefit from this is Stormy Daniels, who will make millions from her porn websites, <laughs> which are really boring, by the way. You know, Trump should have <laughs> t- Trump should have <laughs> took some lessons from uh, Hunter and Joe. Yeah, how to do this? <laughs> That's, right. That's right. But um, the trial is going to start on March twenty fifth. Now. Other than this, the case against Donald Trump is collapsing. Um, the most serious case is being brought in New York, in Washington, by the special prosecutor. And he says that Trump intervened to try to stop Biden from being declared the winner in the election. And he cites the January 6th riot, and he cites a variety of other statements that Trump made. Now, Trump comes back and says, I have immunity in that because I said that stuff while I was president. And as president, I have immunity on this. And uh, the court has said, okay, we'll hear that case. And it's been to the local, the circuit court, which has ruled against Trump. And now it goes to the Supreme Court and we have no idea how they're going to rule. But the one thing we know is it's going to take a little bit of time. There probably will not be a ruling until April or May. And therefore, if there were to be a trial, it would be in June or over the summer. And I think that the judges are reluctant to impose that during an election year. Uh, When we come back in a few minutes, we'll talk about the other cases, and I'll bring you up to date on it. Basically, except for the civil verdict in this case that was just adjudicated, uh, Trump, I think, is, is, is almost home free on this stuff. But when we come back, we'll explore that. it's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck All right, I'll do this thing one more time. Okay. The Dick Morris Dinner. Dinner with Dick Morris. It's actually a book signing and a speech. Uh, and dinner. And, yeah. 
I did say dinner with Dick Morris. What? When is it's on Wednesday of this week. February 21st, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. Oh, okay, great. On 50th Street. 51st Street. What? 3 West 51st Street, right by Rock Center. My, my, birth, my birthday is the 20th. Oh, ah, so we're going great. to celebrate my birthday on right. the 21st. And maybe you'll be there. So anyway, the phone number to call Irene at the, the club is 212-582-5454, extension 3, or Irene at WNRC.org. The number again, 212-582-5454, extension 3. Once again, it's dinner with Dick Morris. Can you believe wow. that? Wow. And you can buy him drinks and get a all. Dr- oh, I can't. I gave up booze and wine for Lent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't drink. Premature. I can drink. You can drink, Luis? <laughs> yeah, I can drink. I dr- Luis and is mi- going to get jammed up. Mr. Morris can drink I'll be the well. driver <laughs> since we live four blocks away. <laughs> um. So let's review where Trump is on the charges against him. There were four indictments. Forget about the civil trial about the Trump property. So that's not a criminal matter. He'll appeal it. The judgment will probably be cut in half or, or more, and uh, and he'll be fine. Uh, he has he'll liquidated be fine or fined both. <laughs> he has liquidated a lot of assets preparing for this. Uh, in fact, he's he has now apparently three hundred million dollars in cash, which he'll use to satisfy this judgment. Even still, and uh, but even so, it's it's horrible. Horrible. There were four criminal indictments against him. The first one to come to trial is coming up on March twenty fifth, and that's Stormy Daniels. And I think it's politically very stupid of the anti Trump forces to lead with this charge. Because she's a porn actress, she's a hustler. Uh, She's—I don't want to go on as to what she probably is, because I don't want to be a defendant. (laughs) But the—but the point is that it's absurd that they're leading with this as the case. Um, And the issue is that Trump paid her to shut up about it, and uh, did he pay her from campaign money? In which case, he should have declared it. Did he pay it from his business? In which case, is it a legitimate business expense? I mean, they have to prove that, though. Yeah, they right? do. The prosecution has to prove. They do, but, I mean, this is so minor and so unimportant. Okay, now, the second charge that's going to come up is the most serious of them, that Trump intervened in the election of 2020 and tried to suppress a Biden victory and make it a Trump victory. And the evidence on that relates, relates largely to the January 6th riot, which the prosecution is portraying as designed to overthrow the results of the election. And the Trump incited that by telling the truth about what happened in the election and trying to whip people up to a frenzy over it. Now, the, the, at the same time that this has been brought, there's been a challenge to the arrests on January 7th uh, by, the, by civil liberties types who say that the statute, the law that they were using, was intended for white-collar crime only, for uh, Arthur Anderson, the accounting firm, uh, which, uh, which used the period during the investigations of the SNL scandal, savings and loan scandal, to right. shred data and shred evidence, and that was not available to the prosecutors. And they passed a law, the Sarbanes-Oxley Law, in 2003 that made that a crime. And that's the grounds under which the case is being brought. 
and the prosecution's rationale is very convoluted. They're saying that, well, they didn't, Trump didn't destroy any documents, but he, uh, but he delayed the proceeding by, the, by counting of the electoral votes by saying that there was fraud involved and demanding an investigation and that this is somehow tantamount to destroying the documents and is covered by the same statute. How they reach that, I don't know, and I don't think that will be sustained on appeal. But the but the basic question there is that Trump says, I have immunity on this because these are actions I took while I was president. And the pr- prosecution says, no, you, you had immunity while you were president, but we can prosecute you afterwards. And Trump points out this will be the first time in American history that a president was prosecuted after he left office the stuff he did while he was in office. And the other time that that might have happened was with Nixon and Ford pardoned Nixon precisely so this wouldn't happen. Right. And Trump says if this is upheld, no president will be able to act because he'll be constantly looking over his shoulder to say, what does this mean for lawsuits against me in the future? And, uh, and would paralyze the chief executive. And I think the higher Supreme Court, which is going to hear the arguments, will, I think, be influenced by that and will, I think, decide to limit the scope of, to grant him immunity, but limit the scope of it so it's not really very injurious to our system as a whole. In any case, while this is being adjudicated and worked out, the clock is ticking and we're closing in on the election. And most likely, this won't be resolved until April and then most likely, if, if, the, if there are still charges to be brought, they can't be tried until June or July, and Trump might be able to delay it further. And at some point, the election happens, and it's moot, and, and it's not going to be litigated. So at the moment, Trump is both playing out the clock and playing out the underlying constitutionality and legality of the January 6th arrests uh, and the issue of presidential immunity. So with all of that, I think Trump is probably in pretty good shape on that. The third charge is that he did exactly what Biden did, which is that he took confidential documents that were classified and he didn't turn them over to the archives. Now, Biden did the exact same thing as Trump. Why aren't they indicting Biden? Biden was vice president, first of all. Trump was president. Senator and then vice president when he hid these documents. Now, Big difference. Biden says the difference is I didn't conceal these documents, which <laughs> Trump did. And the prosecution is going to try to prove that Trump told people to destroy the documents to get rid of them and that that's the crime he should be prosecuted for. Hold on. Not only did he not conceal them, but he had them open in the garage for everyone else to see them. You know what I'm saying? I didn't right. conceal them. Of course you didn't. Right. Exactly. And uh, I think that's a real reach in this case. but. Mm. It'll be brought, it, it could be brought to trial before the election. I doubt it, but it could be. And the final case, uh, the most dangerous of them, we're home free on, I think. Um, Fannie Willis, the prosecutor in Georgia, oh my God. Um, claims that Trump threatened and intimidated uh, witnesses and vote counters and people who are in charge of the election process uh, to try to make the election come out as he wanted. And she cites a phone call that Trump made to Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, mm-hmm. uh, saying, can't you, can't you find votes that haven't been counted yet? Uh, and she says that was an act of fraud. Mm. 
but the problem is that she now is in in the docket herself because she had an affair with her prosecutor, her deputy. The sweating guy. Yeah, and paid him lots of money, took several vacations with him, did not disclose it, and even now refuses to disclose it and has not listed that on any of her forms. So she's busy playing defense, and I don't think she's going to see her way through to yeah. be able to come out of this and be able to be on the offensive. If she paid him back, I think she bought him a bottle but of wine or something. All these cases are afflicting in any kind of sense to uh, Mr. Trump popularity no, or nothing. chances to be president? Because everybody knows, everybody sees that it's a, it's a nitpicking, it's designed to try to stop Trump, and everybody in the country agrees with the following statement. If Trump were not running for president, none of these cases would be brought. Everybody agrees with that. In some sense, they are good for him in terms of popularity. Mm. They are, because what they're doing is that when when you get a guy like Trump, who's sort of the insurgent against the establishment, a lot of people say, is he real? Or is he just being phony? Is he just putting this on? And when he's been indicted, when he's paying the price for that, people have to believe he's sincere and he's real. Uh, because after all, look at what he's going through for this. And this demonstrates the power of the establishment in their hatred of Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, Dick Morris, I, I'm going to repeat this, our audience knows it, but I'm sure you haven't heard this, Luis. When he was getting arrested in Miami, we called him up, and he was in the motorcade going, and he says to Dick, well, how, how my number? You know, first we said, oh, well, sorry, this is happening. Yeah, he goes, yeah. ah, you know, these freaking people. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Yeah, he was a nice guy. And he, he goes, so, Dick, how are my numbers? And Dick says, he goes, your numbers are great. You should get arrested more often. <laughs> <laughs> and Trump goes, ha, ha, that's pretty funny, Dick. <laughs> but he kind of laughed. Yeah. How often? <laughs> but that's Dick yeah, Morris. Yeah, yeah, so everyone the- come to dinner so Dick Morris could, could tell jokes like that for you. <laughs> Actually, that's, you know, that's a good... Uh, uh, pitch for dinner. You know, yeah, Dick Morris right. has some great stories about anecdotes from all over yeah, the world. But, but with with Trump and with me Trump and the thing, and, and also with my friend Hillary. Oh, Hillary! Uh, I, she uh, loves you, though. I told President Clinton that he should not go to Martha's Vineyard oh, yeah. <laughs> on spring break of nineteen ninety six, and uh, I said that there was all this publicity of you hobnobbing with actresses and, and Barbara Streisand and everything. And people wondered if you were having affairs and it wasn't good for your image. So he said, so what should I do over the vacation? And I said, you should go camping in the Rockies. And I pulled it. I take it. They actually pulled it. And they, the camping in the Rockies was their first choice. And then Trump, and then Clinton said to me, and I quote, where would I live? And I said, you'd have to sleep in a two person tent. And he said, with her? <laughs> you know, Dick Morris polls everything. Trump one day said to uh, Dick, he goes, Mr. President, we have to poll this thing about blah, 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 whatever it was, right? And and uh, Trump says to Morris, he goes, you know, you don't go to the bathroom without taking a poll. <laughs> I thought that was pretty, he's nuts. Let's go to Jerry in Connecticut. Hi, Jerry. Jerry. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Good. Hey, Dick and Doug. How are you? And Luis, love the show and uh, so grateful for the show. Um, I, 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 along with um, so, so many people, I'm assuming, are disgusted by the, the Trump ruling this week. Yep. But as disgusted with, with that, 
the Republican Party is just a feckless bunch of do nothings. And I, I really have no I have no expectations for them. But I'm wondering, have you heard of anything on the state level with the attorney generals going after the Democrats like they're going after Trump? going after Hillary no. or going after Nancy Pelosi on a state level to fight fire with fire, because right now we're just no. sitting on our hands and it's just Ab- uh, absolutely it's, not zero. zero I, know, I can't understand none. that either. And um, there was, there is a very good civil case that's being brought to challenge the legality of the government trying to censor uh, news and social media and telling the social media networks what to say, particularly during the pandemic. That's brought by the attorney generals. But other than that, there's no action going on. Nobody's doing anything about that. And it's a total disgrace. I don't that get that. Not. Why do you think? Why, what's going on? What well, do you think? They're so used to playing defense. and uh, The Republicans? Yeah. And uh, Trump is an acquired taste with a lot of it. <laughs> that, see, that's <laughs> yeah. what it might be. Right. Right. Let's go to Sandra in New Jersey. Hi, Hi Sandra. Sandra. I just publicized your book. Did we did we get everything right, Sandra? Yeah, I'm very, very impressed. And I'm thinking that after you give your talk on the book and everyone sits down to have dinner, when you when, when we do the questions and answers, I'm thinking that maybe everyone can talk during dinner about a good question to ask Dick, and then one person at each table might be the one to deliver the question. This way, during dinner, while we're eating, we could all talk about what's going on, and, and that might be a great way to present questions to Dick. Do the more like I hear about this, Sandra, the more it seems like a bar mitzvah. <laughs> Dick, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so nice, and I'm very excited. It's so and, nice and, of and you it's, to put it's, this it's, together. So well, you, had a question about, I mean, you had a question about Laura Trump, I think. I had two things I wanted to say. One thing, I'm really excited that this man, his name is Chicago Ray. He's leading the way with the truckers. They are not going to deliver food into New York. So that's something interesting that they're protesting because they're angry. And then I wanted to ask you a question. So Donald Trump basically endorsed Laura, Lara Trump to be the co-chair to the RNC, which I think is a fabulous idea. But when I was looking at the news feed on the bottom of um, Newsmax, it said um, if Trump takes over, um, funds misuse. What does that mean? Well, I think the allegation is that Trump will take over control of the Republican National Committee and the funds from that he raises will be used to pay for his liability in the various cases against him. And I think that's what they're saying. But I don't think that's true. I think the money's going to be used partially for that, but overwhelmingly to win the election. Um, let me say this about the RNC, Republican National Committee. They need to tell people to vote uh, by in person, and whether early or not, they need to adjust to the idea of early voting. I love the ideal of one-day voting, but if you miss the day, you can't do anything about right. it. And there's no reason for that. There's no reason why the Democrats should be able to vote for a week and the Republicans only for a day. Mm. And the chairman of the committee needs to make that point. And I hope that they do. I hope that Laura Trump makes that. And I think she probably will. Dick, when you say early voting, that's 
just by mail, isn't it? No, you, no. You could walk in early? How, how, in Florida, it? for example, the voting machines are open oh, I didn't, uh, weeks before the election. Because New York, yeah. they don't do that, yeah. right? I, don't, I think I, you voted there that way. I voted that way. No, I didn't vote in Florida. Yeah, okay. In New York. Um, let's go to David in New York. Hi, David. Hi, guys. Um, a great show, uh, uh, Mr. Morris. Uh, thank you for all you do. Um, I, I just had one question um, on the uh, Letitia James uh, case concerning Mar-a-Lago evaluation. Um, this judge uh, evaluated it at the ridiculous uh, price of $18 million, right? Is that right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I've been searching around to find out what the actual lender, the actual bank ah. who lent Do- Donald the Trump, Trump the money, what their actual evaluation was and and why that wasn't considered yeah. in in this case. Yeah, well, good good for you, but it's a rabbit hole and... I just think the whole thing needs to be needs to be taken with, dismissed and turned away. But thank you. I good, did eighteen million dollars work worth of work there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. When we come back, um, there, we talked a little bit today about how the Democrats will react to losing. But even before they lose, they're already putting roadblocks in Trump's way that he'll stumble over as president. They're already passing orders and policies and putting under civil service enough people to make it hard for Trump to clean house, as he's planning to do. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is The Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Trump hasn't won the election yet, and he's not being sworn in anytime soon. But the Biden administration is already planting landmines in his path to blow up, to stop him from doing the kind of house cleaning of the deep state that he has in mind. Uh, the AP reported that the Office of Personnel Management uh, will finalize, in the federal level, will finalize a rule by April to reclassify tens of thousands of workers uh, that, I'm sorry, we got to get it backwards. The Biden administration wants to finalize a rule against reclassifying thousands of workers in civil service so they can be fired more easily. <laughs> they want to make it impossible for Trump to fire people. Uh, a Biden campaign spokesman said Trump has already telegraphed plans straight out of the authoritarian playbook, gutting the civil service of people he deems dis- disloyal plotting revenge upon his political enemies. The Trump administration would take months or even years to unwind the executive orders and and regulations they're putting in effect. The AP said that other options that Biden has to thwart a presidential succession could include promoting expanded collective bargaining agreements with federal personnel to beginning the complicated bureaucratic task of designating more government posts as policy dedicated, thus making workers harder to fire. So in other words, what they're trying to do is jam everybody into the civil service Mm. so they can't be fired. 
and Sorry. stop Trump from getting rid of them. At the end of his term, Trump tried to reclassify tens of thousands of federal employees as Schedule F, which would make them more akin to political appointees that are easier to terminate with the new presidency. Biden revoked it after taking office in 21, but Trump said he would revive that effort. The history of civil service in this country is significant. Uh, right after the election, after the country started, uh, the dominant thought was that, as Andrew Jackson said, to the victor belongs the spoils. And they called that the spoils system, where the president would appoint whoever he liked. And the president at that point controlled ten, thousands and thousands of jobs in a relatively small country and uh, had tremendous power. And Jackson said, I want to exercise that power on the policies that I've been pushing. And to do that, I need my own people in office. So he fired all kinds of people at the postmaster level, the letter carriers, the post, post office directors, the, um, a lot of people in the military, and changed, cleaned house tremendously. And uh, that paved the way after the Civil War for massive corruption, because all of a sudden we weren't just talking about small amounts of money, which the government was controlling under Jackson, but vast amounts of money that the government was controlling under Lincoln in the middle of the Civil War. And that money, which was huge, was subject to real abuse when Lincoln's appointees and Grant's appointees got into office and began stealing the money. Mm. And uh, to protect against that, the reform forces uh, got the civil service enacted in 1881, this was catalyzed because James Garfield, the president of the U.S. at the time, was assassinated by somebody who wanted a job. And he said, yay, now I can get my job from the vice president because Garfield's dead. And after Garfield died, his vice president, Chester Allen Arthur, implemented civil service reforms, followed by Grover Cleveland, who made the whole government civil service. And it stayed there ever since. Now Trump is coming and saying the deep state lives off civil service. It protects them. They don't have to pay attention to quality, to policy. They can do anything they like, and they have little fiefdoms that they build that they can control. And we want to break that control by permitting people to be hired and fired, promoted and demoted uh, based on what the president wants, based on his policies, not based on their score on the test. Now, next week we'll be talking at length about a very significant, very important case that's coming up called the Chevron Presumption. Uh, in the, after the oil spills uh, of the 90s, uh, the, the EPA, Environmental Protection Administration, EPA, put down several regulations on Enron and a variety of the tanker and oil companies that were very drastic and very significant. They, for example, banned all tankers from having single holes. And at a cost of tens of billions of dollars, we had to put well, double yeah. holes on tankers that. throughout the world. That was a smart move. And, yeah, but a very expensive yeah. one. So various people in the industries challenged these rules, and they said the government has no right to do this. One of the big rules they did was they said, we have the right to regulate waterways. And they said, yeah, that's true. 
But then the government said that includes books and streams on somebody's property because eventually, eventually, eventually it might end up in the ocean and that's a body <laughs> we can regulate. And the deep state took all of these rules and extended them to their ultimate extent and uh, interpreted them very, very liberally. And this is now, and the, the one, one case was with Chevron where people challenged the agency's ruling and the court said the federal agencies are the experts in this stuff. They know what they're doing. Outside critics don't have access to all the facts. And we want there to be a presumption that the federal agency is correct in any of this. And that was called the Chevron presumption. And that's governed the case law for administrative appeals to agency decisions ever since. And it's been the single most important building block in the deep state. Because whenever you sue and you say, hey, there is a Clean Air Act, but they didn't say carbon dioxide, which we all exhale, is a poisonous gas. Uh, so what are you doing regulating it? And when suits like that are brought, the federal the courts say Chevron presumption will rule in favor of the agencies. Gorsuch, the uh, new judge on the court, said the agency always wins, and that clearly is wrong. So... This is a case being brought to challenge the Chevron presumption. And that combined with the civil service reform of expanding Schedule F so that more jobs are appointed uh, really is the threat to the deep state. Those two measures by themselves will do huge amounts to tame our bureaucracy and make it subject to the will of elected officials. When we come back, we're going to talk about Biden's plan to release illegals into the U.S. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. I've been following, as I'm sure you have, the plans to uh, expand the funding for border enforcement and, uh, and how that has stalled in Congress. Just to recap, the way, reason it stalled is that the, uh, the anti-Biden people, the Trump people, said we're not going to vote additional funds for anything, including even Israel and Ukraine, unless you toughen border enforcement. And the Democrats said, okay, we'll do that. And they had a commission that was set up that basically did the opposite and increased the number of work permits, increased the number of immigrants allowed in, decrease, actually decreased border enforcement. And when they presented it to the Congress, the Senate and the House both said, no, we're not doing that. So there's now a vacuum. And um, aid to Ukraine to Israel is being held hostage and as his efforts to strengthen the border. But into that breach, the U.S. ICE, the Immigration Customs Enforcement, has reportedly drafted plans to release thousands of immigrants and slash its capacity to hold detainees now that the border bill has failed. And there's a $700 million shortfall in ICE and Homeland Security. And they're going to fill that shortfall by letting people out of jail into the streets of New York. Oh, that's good. Just, that's a good thing to let do. let them go. Oh, great. Um, uh, much of it will happen through mass release of detainees into the streets of the United States. Wow. 
So if you think, if you're upset about what Trump said yesterday is 18 million new people coming into the country, you'll meet them on the street as your neighbors. So the immigration issue has emerged as just a major one in the campaign, and Biden is incredibly vulnerable on it, and Trump's positions have been very strong and very consistent. And they're backed up by the one central fact nobody can deny, which is under Trump there was no illegal immigration into the U.S. There just wasn't any. The border was shut down. People would remained in Mexico while knocking the on the front door. Cases were being adjudicated, uh-huh. and uh, there was nothing to do. And Trump uh, Trump succeeded brilliantly in that. And uh, and Biden has tried to reverse and successfully reversed most of what Donald Trump did. Um, let's go to Joe in New Jersey. Hey, Joe. Hi, Joe. We just okay. lost them. Let's go. Well, he had a good point. What was his point? I didn't say yeah. it. I didn't read it. It was good. Um, let's go to Lou in White Plains. Hi, Lou. Hi, guys. Never never a disappointment. Always a fantastic listen. Um, he, the caller touched on something, and you commented, um, and, it, and I'm passionate about this, and it's, it's, a, it's a general question, but you, you're the guy I, I, to answer it. And my my position is, and he said Republicans are feckless, and, and you said they're used to playing defense. I, I don't know. In my opinion, Republicans playing defense is a is a recent phenomenon, and it directly correlates with the left, um, you know, uh, in, imposing their their uh, their embarrassing but very effective. Uh, a program of cancel culture and just admittedly immediately retorting that uh, if you push back, you're a racist, you're a misogynist, mm, right. that, that this, this being the fact Republicans were aggressive uh, in the past before this phenomenon took, took force. How, how are Republicans, if, 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 if Republican strategists and, and whatever meetings they have, how are we going to succeed if we don't just push back? I mean, what do we have to lose? What well, do, you know, is, if, 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 you know, and when, when is this meeting going to happen? When are these meetings going to happen? Right. And when are we just going to say, we've got to push back against this nonsense. And let me just finish with this because it's part and parcel. The, the, as you're talking about Trump in this, this outlandish case that should never have been. And all of this, uh, a judicial, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, weaponization. This is all a byproduct of, of the program of what I'm talking about from the left, yeah. because they figure if we say it, we can. And yeah. they make their, they, you know, they make it happen by this craziness. Well, and I, the Republicans, we don't I push back. I think you're right, Lou. Absolutely. But, I do think that there is a lot of pushback brewing throughout the world. Um, the victory of Malay in Argentina, the, um, at the Davos conference, which is about globalism, he got up there and he said, globalism is a fraud and we should focus on democratic changes, not on globalist integration. And uh, Trump's winning in the United States is probably the best example of this. And there is a backlash going on throughout the United States over this. 
the men and women's sports. The there was just a, a, something I laughed out loud about. LOL. Uh, the in Connecticut, the legislature passed a law saying that you had to have equal access to boys and girls for tampons, tampon dispensers what? in school. What is yep. this? You have to have equal access. In fact, it was called the um, the uh, <laughs> Menstrual Equity Act. No, <laughs> the Menstrual Equity not. Act is, was the title, and it said that in boys' restrooms you needed tampon dispensers. Oh my! And those God. are now being installed throughout Connecticut. I think that's the point. People are saying, "Oh my God, you give? Are you crazy?" Look at what you're doing. Look Credibility the, to stupidity. Yeah, and I think people are getting it that this is that this is just going way, way, way too far, and is going to be going into real. Who are they placating to? You know what I'm saying? Who? Well, the ideological left that believes that this is important, and I think that uh, they're absolutely just killing themselves by going this far on these issues. I don't think the voters believe in it. I don't think they'll follow them. And I think that they're increasingly making the case that they're absurd, that they're ridiculous, and that right. they can't be trusted. Now, internationally, Trump raised hell the other day when he said that NATO should step up to its obligation and allocate 2% of its budget to defense, and that the United States is not about to bail them out and to uh, pick up the tab for defense spending where we're defending the continent, but we're defending it with our money. And the Estonian prime minister, uh, Keja Kallas, said that, the, that what Trump said about NATO, stating that all these statements from the United States make us worried. We have not taken defense seriously enough. And Trump's comments, he said, have been a wake-up call for many European countries that haven't done enough. And I think it's a positive thing and a start to doing more. And the NATO attorney, Secretary General uh, Stolenberg yesterday said there was an unprecedented rise in defense spending over European and Canadian allies who've added more than $600 billion for defense since 2014, including a real increase of 11% in defense spending in 2023 alone. Uh, defense Secretary Austin said... The Secretary General projects that in 2024, 18 allies will spend at least 2% of their GDP on defense. Major improvements over 2014 were only three hit that target. Any ally not spending at least 2% on defense should have plans to swiftly meet that target. Mm. And the defense concerns are sweeping Europe. Sweden, for example, is training its troops uh, to fight with Russian troops. Um, they believe there's a very significant possibility of a Russian move on Sweden and Finland just as they moved on Ukraine, mm. and they're preparing to defend themselves militarily. And, of course, the Baltic countries are fully mobilized, and the big actor here is Poland, uh, which is increasingly realizing that they're next and that if uh, the Russians pull it off in Ukraine, or at least pull off taking part of the country, uh, the Russians could then threaten Poland. And this expansionism by Putin, this old 19th century style imperialism, is really drawing a reaction from Europe. And Trump is leading the charge and cheering them on. And I think that's just great. 
Uh, Larry in Brooklyn, what's on your mind? Hi, Dick. Uh, I was I was hearing some things this past week about John Podesta working on some war game scenarios. I was just wondering what's going on with him because I consider him to be the most dangerous man in America for the following reason. In 2016, when Trump was declared the winner by all the news agencies, he refused to get off the podium. Hillary was not present. He was the one that had to declare, that had to concede. He refused to concede for about 30 minutes. I found that so ominous. I felt a coup d'etat coming, yeah. and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, well, I think that uh, Podesta is, is a partisan to the nth degree, and his brother is one of the top lobbyists in Washington. So he makes a very nice living representing the liberals in the Democratic Party. And uh, his his policies are subject to question because he's not a dishonest, an honest broker in that. Um, I think What I think you're referring to is that I explained last week there has been a meeting of top Democratic operatives to plan what to do in the event Trump wins. And uh, the reporter Tiab, Tiaba? Tiabi. Tiabi. M- Matt. Mike's son. Matt Tiabi uh, wrote a uh, very wonderful series of articles for um, uh, Rampart? No. Uh, yeah. Ra- Ra- Rambler. Is that thing Rambler? Anyway. And he uh, talked about what plans the Republicans, the Democrats are making in the event that Trump takes power. And I summarized a lot of them in my monologue earlier in the show. It's mass civil disobedience in the streets pouring out people into the streets by the hundreds of thousands and millions and totally tying everything up. Now, the truckers in the United States who are strongly for Trump uh, are anticipating that, and after the verdict in New York State, are now working on a boycott to stop Trump's from coming, trucks from coming into New York to deliver food. Is this Chicago Ray guy? Is yeah, that what we're talking exactly. about? Exactly. What's the story with him? Well, I don't know what the story with him is, but the the effort is significant. And uh, the precursor of what I think will happen after Election Day, after Trump wins, all hell will break loose. And this is a pretty good example of that. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to Thomas in Westchester. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Dick. Uh, hey, Dick. A couple of points. Uh, first on. Uh on uh, NATO, I think when Trump and you discuss uh, instead of discussing percentage, you guys you guys should talk about dollar amount because people understand dollar amount the date more than they understand percentages. Mm-hmm. Second, I, I would like to see the Republicans in Congress subpoena uh, Letitia James and the banks and have them come in there and explain how the banks lost money and how were they were defrauded. Because yeah. the majority of Americans are not following this; they're just seeing one-liners. As an example, if you would do a poll last week, what happened in uh, Atlanta with Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade, prior to last Thursday, uh, uh, people would have thought that Trump was uh, was guilty. After seeing uh, Nathan Wade and uh, Fonnie Willis on the stand, I bet you a majority of Americans that weren't following this had a different opinion of this. Same thing if you subpoenaed these guys in Congress. Right. I think you're right. Yeah, you're and, right about that. But I had a strategic decision to make on advising Trump on these litigations. And uh, I've taken the view since since they started not to follow the rabbit down that rabbit hole, Uh, not to try to litigate the stuff in public opinion, but just to dismiss it as what it is, a partisan witch hunt 
by biased judges uh, that are rigging the system with the only goal of stopping uh, Trump from being elected and stopping him from changing the government. And uh, I think that that is what really is at stake. And I think people have dismissed all of this. I think you put it all together and they just say, this is all BS. And they're not going through it and saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. They're just dismissing the whole thing. And I'm real happy with that. I think that it's been a very important reason why Trump has risen in the polling while all of this is going on. People haven't dissected it and said he's done this wrong and that wrong and that wrong. They just say the whole thing is bull. Because they're they're shooting themselves in the foot, the Democrats doing this kind of stuff. Yes, they are, but more likely shooting themselves in the the neck or someplace else. (laughs) Okay, when we come back, we'll deal with the very good news, which is the tremendous surge that Trump is having in the polling. And you can't look at that surge apart from the coverage We've just given a bunch of these cases as the as the liberals pile up these cases and pursue them. It becomes evident that they're biased against Trump and they do anything to stop him from winning. Uh, it's becoming increasingly clear to voters that there's a double standard and that this whole thing is rigged, and that's manufacturing votes for Trump big time. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the Hello, okay. Dick Morris. Now you can play that song, Kevin. We are the world. We are the children. We are the one to make a brighter day. So let's not give in. Oh, there's a chance to make it. We'll save it all alive. If you make a better day, just you and me. That was the first Something Aid song. What was it? Not Farm Aid. What was the one? That song was it for, was the, uh, the world, for world, Africa. Yeah, but like World Aid or yeah, but very good cause. Yeah. Uh, and one of the only uh, one of the only international programs, globalist stuff, that was not a ripoff. The right. money was not stolen, and really went to needy people. I remember watching; it was pretty cool. Um, okay, we are the world. We are the children. Uh, this country is decisively rep- rejecting Biden and decisively embracing Donald Trump. And to understand that, you need to look at the individual state-by-state polling. Now, the data I'm about to cite is from Fox News, and it's Trump against Biden, but also with Bob, with Robert Kennedy and Cornell West and Stephen the, uh, Stein, Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate. Those will all be on the ballot, and this vote, this poll tests that. We'll start with the big news. In Georgia, Trump is winning by eight. Eight. And uh, I've seen several polls that have suggested that. So if the election were held tomorrow, there is no way that Georgia would go Democratic, which is a big, big deal. Uh, Ditto for North Carolina, which was a marginal state, but we carried it. And Michigan is the big question. We're now five ahead in Michigan. Five ahead? Yeah, which is terrific. Uh, 
And if we can hold that, uh, if you win Michigan and Georgia, uh, this election is basically over in North Carolina. And Wisconsin, which was always a marginal state for us, in this poll, we're three ahead in Wisconsin. In other polls, we've been tied. But the only state that's in play that is not clearly trending toward Trump is Pennsylvania, uh, where the polling shows it continuing to be tied. And Pennsylvania is significant, but it is 20 electoral votes. Uh, But uh, Georgia is, I think, 15, and uh, Wisconsin, I think, is 10. Um, And there are a bunch of states that that can offset it. But the the move throughout the country, the surge of anti-Biden support, surge in support for Trump, is just incredible. And it goes on despite... Biden warning that Trump is an extremist and a crazy and uh, the most virulent anti-Trump rhetoric and the judges piling verdicts on and uh, yet Trump continues to gain in the poll constantly. Now we're catching a break in the race for the U.S. Senate because a state that nobody thought was one that the Republicans could carry, it looks like we're about to carry, which is the Democratic stronghold in Maryland. Uh, that has been about as democratic a state as you can possibly have. What's happening here is a rhino named Larry Hogan, who is the former governor of Maryland, a Republican, but he's clearly a rhino, clearly on the left. If she were in the Senate, she'd be very similar to to Lisa Murkowski and some of the other really left-wing Republican senators. Mm -hmm. But he's, he's tied or leads his Democratic opponents in Maryland. Emerson College on Thursday showed him tied with Congressman David Trone, a Maryland Democrat, at 42, with 16% undecided. And in the other matchup, Hogan against Democratic Prince George County Executive Democrat Angela Alsobrooks indicated that the governor has the upper hand, being Alsobrooks, Alsobrooks, what a name, 44 to 37. So that's a seat that nobody has counted on but could well be Republican. So just to review the situation in the Senate. First of all, uh, the mansion is not running again. So clearly that seat is going to go Republican one way or the other. And that will give us 50 senators. And if we win the vice presidency, it will give us control of the Senate. In addition, our prospectus in Montana is looking better and better because uh, Rosendale, the Republican primary candidate, has dropped out, and everybody now is coalescing behind Sheehy, a, a veteran, the military veteran who's running in Montana. In um, Nevada, people are coming together uh, on, on the candidate, and uh, in, um, in, in Arizona, uh, Carrie Lake, has developed a significant lead in the three-way race. Kristen Sinema staying in the race, and with Kristen Sinema running as an independent and Gallegos, Democrat, running as a congressman, congressman Democrat, um, Lake has a very good chance of winning that. I also think that we have an excellent shot in Ohio where Sherrod Brown is running. He's the most simple, mo- simple most radical member of the, of the Senate. And uh, I think we have a good shot against him. And we have a good shot in Pennsylvania where Bob Casey is running. 
and uh, and his opponent McDowell, who uh, lost the primary to Oz, uh, is now doesn't have a primary and is going to win the nomination. I think has a good shot at the election. So I think that uh, we're doing very well, and uh, Maryland would be a, an added bonus. Um, so I think that that this is going very nicely. Okay, well, thank you. It was nice, and I enjoyed this discussion. We talked a lot about uh, what happens if the Democrats win, if, the Dem- if Trump wins, what the Democrats are going to do, how they'll reply to that. And some of it is very scary, but, uh, but we need to be prepared for that. Do we try one more time to talk about Dick's dinner? <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Uh, it's at February 21st at the Women's National Republican Club. Irene at WNRC.org, and her phone number is, this is Irene, 212-582-5454, extension 3. Dinner on February 24th, this Wednesday, coming up. Whoa, Dick Morris, 65 bucks is worth it. Uh, 3 West 51st Street, and then you could just talk to Dick all day long. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. It's an honor, Dick Morris. Be an honor for me to have dinner with you also for, for once. <laughs> and this cheating wife had never left town. That's one body that'll never be found. You see, little sister don't miss when she aims her gun. That's the night that the lights went out in Georgia. Bye-bye. Bye-bye to Iowa. Bye-bye. And to other places. Bye-bye, 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 folks, bye-bye, folks, bye-bye, 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 this is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.